Hello, women of God. This is Erica. And Narcelli. And we want to welcome you to the Upstream Pursuit podcast, the leadership podcast for Christian women going against the current. Welcome back, Pursuers. What is going on? And what is going on with you, Erica? Oh, I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good. I'm excited um, to get into this last episode of What is a Woman? Have you enjoyed it so far? I have. Yeah, this has been some interesting topics. Yeah, it's been different for sure. And if you're just catching up, Narcelli and I watched the documentary What is a Woman by Matt Walsh, and there were a few things that stood out. The first episode, we covered what is truth and whether it can be subjective. And in our second episode um, in the series, we talked about what is a woman and how our biological makeup is integral to our creational purpose. So if you have not listened, make sure you listen to the last two episodes and you'll be all caught up. But today we are going to chat about our last theme, which is our responsibility to the next generation. Yeah, I'm so excited about this. And I think this one feels very near and dear to my heart because something I don't believe I've shared on the podcast yet is that my grandmother passed away last month. So I got a chance to fly back to Puerto Rico and oh my gosh, God showed up in so many ways and I'm still kind of processing that. But one of the things that I have been able to process is my grandma's legacy and I, uh, I'm going to take a moment to publicly honor her because I I feel like it's so relevant to today's topic. She was, um, well, did you ever meet her, Erica? I met her once. You did meet her once? Yeah, when she she came to visit Texas. Oh, okay, okay. Um, She was one of the most righteous person that I've ever met. Um, She loved, uh, she was a little too righteous. Like, she genuinely believed that, like, if God came, if Jesus came and you were at the movies, like, you weren't going to make it. But she loved God more than anything and anyone in the world. And she absolutely loved the church. And so one of the, the blessings that I never thought I would get to do, but while I was there, I got the opportunity to write her eulogy. And as I was gathering facts from, you know, my aunts and my mom and my uncle, I learned so much about her. I always knew that she was an evangelist and a missionary. But one of the things that I learned is that she had traveled to five countries to share the good news there. Um, And in her old age, when she was not really able to serve anymore because, you know, her body had just kind of given out on her. Her ministry became inter- intercession, and one of the things that I that I oh, that always just stood out to me was, Grandma was really good about like it didn't matter what the day looked like. She always sort of went away to go pray, and she carried mm. this book with photos of church leaders and names of people that she interceded for literally daily, and I'm convinced that the majority of her 14 grandchildren have come to Christ because of of her faithfulness really in her prayers mm-hmm. and but one of the the things that as I was there you know stood out was that you know she has 34 great grandchildren and 14 great great grandchildren and 
just a handful of them have a relationship with Christ, which I think is tragic. Mm -hmm. But that's what happens when a generation forsakes the responsibility to bring up people in the Lord. And um, as we kind of get into this topic, I was thinking about how that is, it just felt like a microcosm of Generation None, as they're called, which is essentially a generation with no religious affiliation. Yeah, and this is really what piqued our interest in talking about our responsibility to the next generation. In this documentary, there were comments about excitement over the amount of kids coming, quote, out at younger ages and about the next generation really challenging what they now consider as these antiquated ideas and how they're rejecting these moral standards. And the one that really got me was the lady that had just so much confidence when she stated to Matt, and you know who gets it right? It's the next generation. And when she said right, what she's actually talking about is she's thinking that these rejection of moral standards mm. is the right thing to do and that this next generation is going to pass along these new standards, not mm. necessarily the ones that we currently hold. And so we have a generation of kids who are being you know, parented by culture, a culture that denies the existence of God and convinces them that their feelings are their identity and their truth and their reality. Yeah, it's it's essentially a culture that in a nutshell calls the precepts of God, which have actually withstood the test of time antiquated. And, yeah. you know, one might say, well, what's the big deal? And I, I would say, in addition to the massive confusion that we see our kids experiencing, kids are being encouraged, you know, according to, to the film specifically, to make these irreversible life-altering decisions. And, and from a biblical perspective, many of those life-altering decisions actually go against God's design for them. You know, for, for instance... In the film, you're, you you see that Matt is asking questions of medical doctors and clinicians. So these are presumable people that are science-driven and mm -hmm. who are experts, right, in, in their field. Um, and when asked of a doctor, you know, what's the youngest age that they perform bottom surgery, which essentially just basically means like for instance a girl um, transitioning into a boy they say as young as 16 and so there's this exchange when Matt is asking well do you think that a 16 year old is neurologically developed to make such a life-altering decision and the person says uh, no in the sense that they don't think there's anything wrong with that and so I, I bring it up because there's an entire industry. Um, you know, sometimes we think that th that this uh, what's happening in this generation is something that it's not that big of a deal and that it's only a select few. But there's a massive industry that is promoting this kind of things. And one interviewee said that they're and I quote, he said, they're butchering a generation of children because no one is willing to talk about it. Um, and those that do are labeled as as transphobic. And so, again, it is a big deal. And that's why we felt that we needed to just chat a little bit about, you know, what's our role in this? Yeah, I'd also say that it hit on lobbying groups. You know, Hollywood, social media algorithms are designed to aggressively push out this agenda and to become a political focal point for the next generation. You can't go to any... Netflix or Hulu without 
seeing like these types of topics just being forced into anything and anywhere um, to make points that this is a quote new norm. Um, but wow. honestly, this is not new. You know, as we're preparing and looking at scripture regarding what it says about the next generation, we actually found two common threads. The first thread is that we have the propensity to turn to idols and forget God and what he has done. And another is that because we have this propensity, God calls us to share who he is and what he has done with the next generation, lest we forget. So Deuteronomy chapter 6 outlines our two major responsibilities to the next generation. And so this is what it says, in case you were not aware. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it starts with, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, generational here, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. And then it says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. So what is the command? Verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I commanded you today shall be on your heart. And so what happens when you do these? It goes well with you. That's so good. I, oh my gosh, like, I, I'm gonna sound silly, but like, I just love the, the Bible. It's, um, it's so complete. And, and so when we talk about, you know, as you're reading, I'm thinking, okay, well, like, so what is our first responsibility, right? And so to me, what this is saying is that the first responsibility is to model the way. So God, first and foremost, calls us to keep his commandments because i think yeah. this is not a uh, do as i say not as i do type of command this is <laughs> you shall love your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and so for the skeptics that say well that was old testament well when asked uh this in uh in matthew 22 36 40 Jesus was asked, you know, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So he's referencing what was said. And then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. But then, of course, he raises the standard in John 13, 34 by saying, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Um, and then in John 14, and I know that this is a lot of scripture, but again, we're going to the word to see what the word says about this. And in John 14, 15, 21, <laughs> Jesus then defines what it means to love God. He says, if you love me, you keep my commands. That's mm-hmm. in verse 15, John 14, 15. Um, and so there is this abiding that happens when we keep the command and then he repeats it again in verse 21 when he says whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them and so 
I mean, I don't know that it could get any more clear than that in regards to our responsibility. Before we try to teach it and share it with anyone else, we have to embody it. We have to love it. We have to live it. Yeah, that's good. And then the second responsibility is to teach that love and that fear of God to our children. And one way we do that is through our modeling, just like you said. So Deuteronomy 6 says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand that they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. Um. Before you go on, Erica, okay. it's so funny because, uh, you know, one of my favorite worship leaders, her name is Stephanie Gretzinger, which I don't know if that's her married last name or not. But nevertheless, um, her father had passed away and she was she was sharing a message and she said she was, you know, honoring her dad. And she said, um, which is totally reminds me of my grandmother. And so someone has said to her, you know, like all your dad ever talked about was like God. <laughs> And, and she was like, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's exactly how my grandmother was. Like, there is mm-hmm. no, there's nothing else. Like, it was just, it was always God. And it, it just yeah. reminds me of this. Like, it's like, didn't matter what she was doing. There is, it was always God, you know? Always. Yeah, you always do it. You I mean, all throughout scripture, you're going to see that there's an impact of like what s- society is giving. There's this paganism all around mm. and um, all these dangers that, you know, are present if we're not teaching the law of God to children. And we just talked about that, right? What It, it won't go well with us and it won't. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of reasons why God asks us to do these things. Um, and one of them being that it's for protection. We talked about that whole point of what the commandments were for. They weren't to punish us, but they was actually to keep us safe um, as a society. And, and Part of God's love towards us. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I wanted to point out that in Judges chapter 2, after Joshua had led them into that promised land um, and his generation had seen the faithfulness of God, they failed to do what they were commanded. Yeah which was to teach the next generation the law of God so they would love God with their heart, their soul, and their might. So in verse 10 and 11, it says, All that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed themselves down to them. And thus they provoked the Lord to anger. So they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. The main thing that, again, stands out to me from that is they followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them. In -hmm. other words, they basically looked to culture and adopted the ways of the day. But get this, because I I think, again, like we sometimes think of God as this like meek God, but you just said, and that provoked the Lord to anger, you know? Yeah. I don't want to be on the other side of God's anger and, even though in the Bible you see that God is slow to anger, mm. there are still consequences for 
our actions. Yeah, that's good. But so last week we talked about bearing children as part of God's design for us as women. And a component of our creational purpose is not just to multiply and fill the earth with image bearers, but also to subdue it, um, to steward our children. And parenting is just like a part of that. God built Mm. it into his law, not for himself, but to lead generations to life. And God says in Exodus 21 through 26, that he is a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and to the fourth generation of those who hate him. That's rough. Um, Yeah. um, You know, so how do we go upstream, especially as we consider these responsibilities? So again, just to to recap, first responsibility is for us to, to love the Lord ourselves. And then the second to pass it on to the next generation. But I would say, you know, Again, you know, the, the, the first thing is is our three pursuits. Ryan is, pers- is pursue Christ. Like, it starts with us. We have to seek Jesus. We have to search his word. We have to hear his voice. We have to obey his commands. Um, you know, and then a, a really important thing is that none of us, I know I don't, I mean, unless you guys are super spiritual and, like, you, you do, so kudos to you. But, like, I don't know that I wake up super excited about... <laughs> getting into the word all the time there are times where i just don't feel it you know um but mm-hmm. if we always wait until we feel it we will never do it um we don't have a natural inclination towards god sometimes most of our inclinations are against him which is why the spirit and the flesh are always warring so we have to fight through our feelings and we have to push push through out of obedience and also out of love for the lord um and also because we love our children and so we have to model that love for God and the church at home. And like you had mentioned, we have to, to, to teach it and write it on post-it notes and in your car, everywhere you see it. I know that I even I was better about this when I first started. Um, when I first gave my life to Christ, I used to write it uh, scriptures on post-it notes and literally put it on my steering wheel. Anytime I was in traffic, I would meditate on that verse. I would create songs out of them. And so it's going back to those basics, you know, yeah. um, and and really loving God and, and putting him first. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we know going upstream, we've got to pursue Christ. And I would say the second one we talk about before is pursuing community with other believers. And one of the things pointed out in the film is that many of the kids that are struggling with their gender and sexual identity do so because they lack community and a welcoming family Mm. life. Like, I don't even have to watch the movie to know this. I've seen so many around me, so many kids around me who have gotten themselves into some really detrimental places in their life, not just about sexuality, but of other things, simply because they didn't have a community. And so, you know, these kids are being taught by their peers um, that they are basically what they feel. And they struggle with anxiety, fitting in, um, they're isolated. So they end up finding a community of other people who are dealing with the same types of things and those who don't fit in. And they become part of that community as opposed to a community that's going to encourage them in the way of the Lord. And so the church should be a primary vehicle for community and friendship for adults and for kids. That's good. So in Deuteronomy 4.10, God said, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. So right there, assemble the people, right? Being in community. 
And then you've got Hebrews 10.25 that says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't give it up. Other versions call that negligence. Don't neglect meeting together. So it's like almost we're prone to it. So don't don't think that it's natural. It's We are prone to it, but you're not supposed to. The Bible is still saying, go against what you're prone to doing and meet together. Yeah, and one of the things that, as you were reading De- Deuteronomy 4.10, um, that just caught my attention is that second part that says, um, you know, assemble them before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live and may teach it to their children. And so I think like what I'm learning through that is that that even the assembly has a purpose. And I always love that God is focused not just on the individual, but on the collective of people and that he want there's something special about that assembly and that we're learning together, we're hearing his word together, we're revering him together. And then we're teaching that also to the children. And it boggles my mind um, right now. I think it's something that like just for the last few years has really burdened my spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, that parents don't bring their kids to church for corporate worship and for the public hearing of the word. Especially as I'm listening to to those words in Deuteronomy. Um, because we, we all know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You know, it comes from what is told. Um, and by the yep. preach of, preaching of the message concerning Christ. But most important, like, not, I guess not more importantly, but kids want friends and they want to fit in. And so yeah. Paul warns us that bad, bad company corrupts good morals. So mm. what is a better place for us as adults and as children to find like-minded, God-living and fearing people than in the assembly of believers? I, I was... Um, Actually, it was your mom that was sharing with me because, you know, she oversees our children's ministry at our church. And a few weeks uh, or a month or so back, uh, she only had one kid in her class and her kid made a comment. He said, I'm the only one here again, Mm. you know, and um, and, you know, there's. I, I commend this parent who continues to bring their child, you know? Yeah. But yeah. then, um, like, that little kiddo needs friends. And, like, he's not making friends because, at, ch- at least not at church, because, like, parents are not bringing their kids, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so, I, I, again, uh, and by the way, I mean, it, God, God is good, right? So, like, it just allowed your mom to, you know, spend a little bit more attention on him as an individual, but still, the, the point is that this is the place where our children should be meeting other kids who also love the Lord, you know? Yep. Uh, the struggle's real. And uh, I wish more parents truly believed in the importance of community. So if you're listening to this and you are not currently a church attendee or a member of a church, uh, we strongly encourage you to stay in community as we've talked about before, but it's so important, especially if you have kids and teaching them um, the way of the Lord and God asks us to stay in community. So yeah. And the next one is pursue change. So I think most of us can agree that we believe in education, that we want our kids to learn math and science and English because, you know, we believe that it leads to a better future and more opportunities. 
But sometimes I do think that we often fail to take the spiritual education just as seriously as we do in making sure, you know, our kids go to college. Ephesians 6.4 guides us to bring our children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So this should be one of our top priorities. And, you know, listen, these ideologies out here that are, you know, working super hard to indoctrinate our kids, they exist whether we like it or not. And the reality is that we have to teach our kids to stand up against these these evil influences and these pressures that society keeps pushing on them. And not because Mira Nerselli says it, but because God's word tells us and commands us to do it. Something, Erica, like, was it you that we were talking about, like, preparing our kids for persecution? Yes. And I, I mean, like... <laughs> it's because I, well, I was reading a scripture and it legit was... It had said to prepare them for like martyrdom. Yeah. If it's not our time, it's Ava's time that could possibly, I have to prepare her for persecution in well, a in a way worse way than we're dealing with right now. Well, and that's the thing, like the first century church, like literally lived in a sense of urgency. I think one also because they were being persecuted Yeah. and for their faith. But I think like that's the other thing is like, Persecution can be mar- martyrdom, right? Is that how you say? Yeah. Martyrdom? <laughs> I just cannot say that word. <laughs> that word. But it could also be just standing up for truth. Like teaching a child, um, you know, again, to love God. Because when we say teach, um, like at least for me, like there's, there's, there's two two things like one is is to teach like literally sit there and like speak at a child and teach right but another way to teach is more on an experiential side where the kid now begins to own their own faith like they're not writing on the faith of their parents and i think it's essentially to empower them with truth that they can embrace and as they're growing up they are they begin to to embody it embrace it and because our responsibility is to teach it, right? It's it's ultimately yeah. as they grow up, they they begin to, you know, critically think and then make their their create their own relationship with the Lord, and that's the ultimate goal. Um, yeah. And one of the things um, that I wanted to ask you, Erica, because I, I mean, I told you, and and I mean, I, I, obviously, everyone here on this podcast knows that I love you. But I, I don't, I'm not boasting about you just for the heck of it. Like, I genuinely was so impressed. My mom and I talk about it all the time. I was so impressed when I stayed with you last time in, um, in Florida. Because just your overall, like, co-parenting with David and the way you guys approach Ava. Um, because I feel like you guys are creating, like, a little independent thinker. And it's really cool to watch. But one of the things that really stood out to me was like, you have scriptures in the restroom. So like when, when I was, uh, you were reading the scripture, was it in Deuteronomy six that talks about like, teach it when you sit in your house, when you walk, by the way, like, I feel like you do that so well. I was, uh, I remember when we were in the car and uh, on the way to church and you were like it's time for worship and she was like yeah and like yes. she was so excited 
excited. And so can you, like, especially for parents who are like, you know what, like, that sounds great, guys, but, like, no one taught me that. Like, what are some practical ways in which I can do that with my kid? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, Ava is in a, by the way, I I think my, the way my parents brought me up is very different than what I'm doing with Ava. So there's no right way, right? Um, to, to go about this. And they did an excellent job and we need to And they did. Because your mom's going to listen to this and she's going to be like, I wish I would have done it. Cecilia, you did a great job. Look at her now. She did. And it it didn't look like this, but I think every parent with the help of the spirit tries to navigate Mm -hmm. what it looks like to raise up their child in the Lord. And I think also the times are very different. And so I see the need even more so than maybe my parents did at that time for me to guard Ava in this. But so, I mean, I would say some of the things that I've intentionally done is some of those that you've talked about. So scripture memorizing is something that we do often. Um, we do put it on the walls and it's a place that helps me just kind of reference it and asks her to like read it um, or we read it Question. together. Do yeah. you like, do you literally sit down in the bathroom and you're like, the scripture says this? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so okay. like when she's okay, in okay. there. She's in the morning, like she's going to the restroom. It's in front of where she's in the restroom. And because it's a reminder of me and when she's sitting there and I'm going to go like I'm getting her snacks ready and then I'm coming back to see how she's doing. Um, Because at that at that age, she was she still needed help. Um, So I would come back and so she would be saying them. So I'd be like, all right, let's practice this one real quick. And so as I'm cleaning her up, she's saying the verse. So that's pretty much what that looks like. Like you said, in the morning, so I made it a point that in the morning when we go to school, there was a season where we were doing catechism. Um, we still do that, but I've, I'm kind of ebbing and flowing where her attitudes are at right now. What's and catechism? So we're, oh, so um, it's a reformed catechism. It's a question and then a response. And it's all based off of scripture and God's truth. So like... Um, who made Ava? God made me would be her response. Like who are our first parents? She would say Adam and Eve. Um, What were our first parents made of? And she would say, God formed Adam out of the ground. And then he formed Eve out of Adam's body. Okay. So she could tell you like how many gods are there? There's one God. How many persons does this one God exist? She'll tell you the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. Does God have a body? No, he doesn't have a body. That's so awesome. But tell me why I'm over here feeling like I'm being quizzed and I'm like, do I know that? Do I know that? I'm like, why does Ava know more theology than I do? (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing. Like, I don't even know if she knows. Like right now, I know a lot of it's just memorization. Yes. As she's getting older, I'm starting to ask her, like, what does that mean to see how she responds to it? Um, so there's just different ways that we've been able to to do that. She loves singing. We talked about, we read different verses last night, actually, that talked specifically about mm-hmm. praising. So she, we found different verses in um, Psalms that was like, clap your hands for the Lord, right? And I'm like, hey, we do that. We do that at church, don't we? We're following what scripture says. We'll find another one that says, shout for joy. Hey, that's why we, you know, praise Jesus and da 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 So she's now being able to see like what it says in scripture is why we do the things that she's seen mom do and what we do at church. So that's so cool. Does she pray on her own yet or not yet? She does. She's funny right now when she prays she's got this funny thing right now where I don't know where she picked it up but she told me mommy the bible is true it's not a joke it's true (laughs) 
<laughs> I like, like hear her say it too. She was like so oh, adamant. Dad. She's like, it is not a joke. It is the truth, mom. <laughs> like that's how she said it. I was like, yes, you're right. But you know, to this point that we're talking about today to kind of bring it back up is I responded to her yesterday. But you know, there's some people who do think it's a joke. Mm. You know that? That there's some people who don't know that this is truth. And they do think it's a joke so that she sees that like there's going to be an opposing side. I have to prepare her for the opposing side. It's not going to throw her off her spiritual walk to know that there's people who are completely against what mommy is saying is true and what she's actually doing. So Mm -hmm. it's not surprising to her. And so we're going to have to start talking about that as she's getting older. And and other people don't create doubt on this one thing that in her young age she believes, right? Like in yeah. her own limited capacity. Yeah, um, a lot of that is uh, God and when he chooses to open the eyes of an unbeliever. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think just to kind of sum up what we're discussing today, you know, I think that's a really good point. And, and our job is always to do the natural and then God takes care of the supernatural. If yeah. we take these commands, right, and we follow through on them, like God has to ultimately honor his word. Otherwise, he's a liar and he's not. And so our responsibility is not to worry but just to to do like in your case, right? Like to do exactly what you're doing and then entrust the rest of the Lord that yep. when she grows up, just like the scriptures say that if you train the child right in the way that he or she should go, even when they're old, they won't depart from it. That's a promise from the Lord. Yeah. And one of the last things I wanted to mention is that another sort of common thread is just the idea that teaching these precepts and commands, which was ultimately to love God and others, to the next generation was part of their spiritual heritage. And it was an inheritance that was passed along from one generation to the other. And so I bring that up only to say that this is a blessing that we have received from the Lord. Remember when he was talking to Israel, there were the chosen people. And when he, he was commanding them to pass this on, he was commanding his chosen people to pass his goodness to the rest of the children, even the children yet to be created, you know? And in the same way, yeah. we are doing the same thing whenever we're in this new covenant with Jesus. Um, now that we have been adopted into this covenant, when we're passing this along to our children, we are passing along an inheritance that we ourselves have received. And, you know, like you mentioned, it's it's easy to prioritize this secular education or to prioritize money and wealth and all these possessions that we pass along. But pursuers, we have to prioritize the spiritual blessings that we pass along to the next generation because all of these other things will someday pass away, but yeah. eternal life will not. And that's what we can rejoice in. Um, And so, again, just to conclude, our two main responsibilities is to love God ourselves, model that for our children, and then teach it every opportunity that we can so that they may live lives um, that are God-fearing and like Erica had read earlier, so that it may go well with them. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? 
I think that's great. I encourage those who, you know, don't feel compelled to teach their children right now. I encourage you to pray that God give you that grace and the encouragement to find opportunities, the Lord. Um, I remember a book that we read and we had referenced before where, you know, a lot of what we need to do at this point with society is not to protest. It's not to go out in the streets and say, this is what it needs to be. It's doing it right at home, doing what we need to be doing here at the home, raising our children, the next generation in the way of the Lord. And so, you know, as much as, you know, there's a lot of people who want to post things on Facebook about what people should be doing um, or wanting to go out and protest, you know, all of these things that we should be doing. Let's get it right in the home first. Let's let's yeah. do it the way God has asked us to do it. And he didn't ask us to do it by protesting. He asked us to be looking inside and praying to God to help yeah. guide us in doing this in our homes first. That's really good. One one thing that um, I, I feel strongly in my spirit in regards to maybe those who are listening that are thinking, okay, well, I don't have small children. I have adult children or I have children um, who are maybe teenagers and it feels like it's too late. Mm -hmm. yeah. One of the things that I learned at, um, at my grandmother's funeral or that the Lord just um, spoke to my spirit while I was there was that, and I actually shared it when I did have a chance to speak to the next generation there. And it was that now that our matriarch is gone, who was the one who stood in the gap for us, then it was now our responsibility to stand in the gap for the great-grandchildren and the great-great-grandchildren and, mm -hmm. the, and the generation that has yet to be. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and you're that person where you're like, well, I think it's too late for me, I... I want to tell you it's not too late. It's never too late for us to bow our, to our knees and to ask the Lord to give us wisdom and direction on how we can begin that process now. And because it is God's heart for all of us to come to his knowledge yeah. and for for us to be saved, that that's ultimately what Jesus came here for. Um, he came to, to save us and also to give us um, eternal life. And so I would say, don't give up, stand in the gap, um, stand in the gap now and do your best to do what you need to do again in the natural and then let, leave the rest to God in the supernatural. I'm going to go ahead and pray if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, Jesus, we love you so much, and we just thank you for this, um, just for this podcast, Lord, and for the opportunity um, for Erica and I to just process the word as we seek to live a life that honors you and glorifies you. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone listening tonight that um, feels that way, that feels like maybe it's not their time, would you just come in? Would you speak to their hearts? Would you reveal truths in your word that would lead them to the next step, whatever the next step might be in their current circumstance? I thank you for Erica, and I thank you for all the parents who are out there trying their best 
to do what you've called them uh, to do. And then for those of us who do not have children, Lord, I thank you for just the blessing that we also have to multiply, to create disciples, to teach um, that same love that you have given to us, Lord. So we honor you, Lord, with everything that we have. We love you um, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, pursuers, I hope that this has encouraged you to find opportunities to continue to engage with the next generation. We hope you have a wonderful week and let's stand for truth, pursuers.